Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. I've been excited about speaking about the series. It's been a big impact for me and my family. Um, just to be able to talk about Joseph and to learn like new perspectives about Joseph that I never thought uh, about. Because we hear the stories in like, you know, when we're in Sunday school about Joseph, we hear the typical stories, but to be able to really go deep and to really understand that, that, that Joseph's life, he had to go through a lot. He had to endure many hardships in order for him to be what God called him to be. Um, we've been talking about Joseph in children's church They've been watching videos. We've been, we've been watching our funny, hilarious skits during VBS about Joseph. And we've been talking, like even throughout all my conversations, people keep talking about Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. So one thing I love about doing sermon series here at our church is that people always go back to a sermon series that we talked about. Like every time they're like, we talked about that, that he cares for you. Or we talked about that, the Exodus series. And it's really cool to see all the conversations being pointed back at what we're talking about here at our church. Even as you're driving home, your kids are probably gonna be talking to you about something they learned about Joseph, which is so awesome to see how a church can come together and to learn scripture and to learn the word of God as one body, right? Um, and as I was pre- preparing this talk, the Lord was telling me that this was a timely talk and it was much needed talk for our conversation. At first, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed just as I get a little overwhelmed just getting ready for any message. But God, then all of a sudden, a burst of just excitement just went over me, like revelation from everywhere. Uh, God was speaking to me. Uh, Holy Spirit was just, just telling me, this is what you need to talk about. And it was just a little bit more easier this week to prepare this message. But then all of a sudden, later in the week, I just felt like a little, like a wave of anxiety because I, I was starting to doubt myself to think, Lord, is this a right message that you need to speak for us in our congregation? But then the Lord just kept confirming it all week. He's like, you need to speak this message here at our church. Um, So this message is going to be a little bit of a revealing talk to many of you. As a family, it's going to be an eye-opening talk. But my hope is that that you find the peace and you you enable the presence of God to intervene with whatever you're going through today, this morning. So the title of my talk today is called Family Matters. Family Matters. And I want you to turn to your family and say, uh, uh, I want you to say, you matter. And I know, it's kind of hard. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yes, just take this moment and say, you matter. Yes, and, and turn to them and say that, thank you for coming here. I love you. Okay? <laughs> All right. Good, good, good. We got that out of the way. That was a little bit hard to do at the beginning. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm really excited as we're emphasizing this idea of family today. At the end of the day, uh, the word matters has two meanings, all right? So the word matters is, is one word that has two interpretations. So the first meaning for the word matters is that family, at the end of the day, is all that, that, that we have, right? At the end of the day, when you make a covenant to be a husband or a wife, what you're saying that is, I'm committing to that one person and that one person alone, when you, make, when you decide to have children, when we decide to have children, 
the reality is that we're making this, this, this uh, uh, thought that we're going to devote all of our time, all of our attention to our kids. Um, and the second meaning for the word matters is the, defining the real problems that our families face. The matters that we often don't like to talk about. Even here in society, as you, many of you guys know, all the things that are happening in our world with, with Uvalde and even the overturning of Roe v. Wade, these are the conversations that we need to be having around the dinner table, conversations that affect our society, our culture, our community. And so when we talk about matters, we're talking about these are the things that we often as a family like to avoid but God is telling us today, we need to address these conversations, right? And when we're talking about family, interestingly enough, the Lord was giving me so many confirmations this week. I'm telling you, everywhere that I went, as I was driving, as I was listening to music, uh, TV shows, like ads on like Facebook, it was all about like family, 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 which is really odd to think about, right? Because if you consider our society, our society is not about family. It's the opposite. It's all about individualism. It's about yourself. So it was really rare for me to consider that, that the society is even now emphasizing why having each other is so important. And in conversations in particular, I was having with two friends this week that didn't even know that I was speaking this Sunday were bringing up this idea of a united family. Uh, they were saying how oftentimes in churches, we do not address things like trauma, reconciliation, unity and love amongst our families, um, which was just confirmation for me. Was, I was like, Lord, you're speaking to me. You're telling me that this is the message that you need for us to speak here today as a church. Needless to say, the Holy Spirit well, this is a Holy Spirit-inspired message. I had advice from all my pastors and leaders that, that this is what God wants to speak about. And as I was thinking about this sermon, a light bulb just went off in my head. And I just thought about the story of Joseph. Let's tie it back to the story of Joseph now. How dysfunctional was Joseph's family? How divided was Joseph's family? There was anger and jealousy amongst brothers. Lies and secrets kept from a father about a deceased brother, even though he was alive. Trauma and grief over a lost son that the father had to endure. A lost son, all the trauma and grief he had to go through. An abandoned son, Joseph, separated from his family in a foreign land, have to, having to fend for himself. I mean, the examples go on and on about how wounded and how damaged Joseph's family truly was. And as believers today, we love to talk about the destiny of Joseph, right? We love to talk about, we love to glorify him as he got to Egypt. He went through all those trials, but then he became the ruler of Egypt. We love to talk about that part of his story but we overlook the trauma and the hardships he had to overcome. Joseph had to truly endure these hardships in order for his family to experience breakthrough. Joseph's destiny ultimately would have been defected if he did not make amends with his family. Are you guys following along so far? So today as families, you have come here today. You're probably sitting across from them. You could be sitting by yourself, or you could be sitting with a friend or a family member. But my prayer here today is as I'm speaking these words, will inspire you to look at the innermost parts of your life, to discover the actions that you and your family needs to take in order for you to walk a faithful and a glorified destiny that God has for each and every single one of you. So 
just before I get into the, to the more deeper parts of my message, as a family, we're going to be looking at some really deep stuff. There could be some hidden secrets inside of you that might be coming out. There can be some pain or trauma that you might be experiencing again here today. But if you're feeling any moments of distress or burden, I want you to take a moment and just spend some time in prayer. It's okay to pray in the midst of the message. If you are feeling like the Holy Spirit is tugging at you and he's telling you something, I want you to take a moment and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, hopefully, my goal in all this is as a family, that as we're listening to this message, we find healing and wholeness. Amen? So if it's okay, I'm just going to pray one more time. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that we're here. Lord, we humble ourselves, and we say that, God, we do not have it all together, God. One, not one bit, Lord God. That we can come here looking all perfect, all pristine, and, and ha- looking like the world thinks that we have all these things in line. But God, ultimately, we submit our, our hearts, we submit our problems, we submit, our, submit everything to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So as I was preparing this message, I came across a really interesting fact. Um, I was doing research, and I found this research article. And the, the title of this message was, Adolescent Children and Parents' Relationships in a Indian American and Indian Immigrant Families in the U.S., Um, Consequently, the study examined the dynamics of both an Indian American home and an Indian immigrant home. The study involved the similarities and contrasts and the parallels that occurred. Uh, This is honestly like, this was so fascinating to me that both families, how they interacted with each other, and they found that in every family you make accommodations and you have disagreements. You have accommodations and you have disagreements. Most of you guys following me so far? And the tension points that occur in most Indian families, let me li- just to list a few, is what's your child's education or occupation going to be in the future? Their choice of friends or environment. What hobbies or activities they'll participate in. Their devotion to their faith and religion. Their choice of their future spouse or companion. Adoption of culture. So are they adopting the Eastern Indian culture or the Western American culture. Interesting, right? And this is what they found in an Indian predominant, Indian immigrant predominant home. This is what they found. That the child is more willing to accommodate to their parents. I'm going to repeat that again. That the child is more willing to accommodate to their parents. When it comes to things like their education, when it comes to things like their occupation, and even their choice of their future spouse. But what they found is that as they were making these decisions, the child felt a lack of individualism, meaning the child felt didn't know who they were. They had a lack of identity. And as they grew up, uh, as they grew up, they, they felt like the parents made all the decisions for them. So they were left figuring out who they were while lacking a true relationship with God. All right, so now I'm going to do the contrast of that, which is the Indian-American predominant household. The Indian-American predominant household. Research found that most parents were were willing to accommodate to their child. So most parents were willing to accommodate to their child when it came to things like their occupation, their future spouse, and hobbies. I mean, we know so many parents nowadays that put their kids in taekwondo, music, whatever the child wants to do, they'll make accommodations for them. But disagreements that usually happen in those homes were things like their faith and religion, their choice of their friends, um, 
and ultimately adoption of their culture. But what they later discovered, with the, even with this family household, is that the, the parents had a lack of collectivism, meaning that the parents felt, didn't feel the family was united or they felt empty inside. As a child became more independent, they became more disconnected and distant from their family. The children's successful lives resulted in little to no relationship with their parents. I know, it's a lot. But what I examined from the study and the tensions between both families is that one family is not better than the other. Neither household had a stronger connection and both experienced differences. But not, not, and I know you guys are looking at me today and saying, Pastor, my family is the exception to all that. We are a perfect family which may be true, <laughs> but the reality of all this is that, that we face disagree disagreements, that there is differences in our family, that we do think differently, that there is different values that we find that is more important than the other. And so as long as we are understanding that, I want you to understand that God in the midst of all that is wanting to bring us back together that God has a plan of uniting and reconciliating every single person, um, that every single problem that we're facing here today. Now, just a quick story, just to bring a little humor to what is going on. Me and my wife, we had a little bit of a disagreement, you know, uh, this past week. Um, and you probably think, you know, we don't, we, we, we're okay. You know, everything's fine in our household. Um, but the disagreement was around dishes, you know. And you guys probably think, why does Jed and, and Pastor Ruben always argue about dishes? They need to go to counseling over this. But as many of you know, uh, last week was VBS, and Jen was out of town. And when she was out of town, uh, we had a big pile of dishes still in the sink and in the, di in the dishwasher. And uh, uh, that is no excuse to my mistakes that I made that week. Uh, so the week following, Jen comes back from her trip, and that Sunday, on her way back, on my way back from church, I'm sorry, I get a text from my wife. And husbands here can relate to this when I say this, that you know when your wife is angry or mad when she texts or calls you, but she only says one statement or a phrase. All right? How many of you can relate with me? No context, no questions. It's not even a conversation. It's just one statement, and that's it. And this is a text that I get back. You had one week to do dishes. You had one week to do dishes. And I was like, oh my God. Like, you know that feeling when you get a bad grade at school and you had to walk home and you had to show your parents your report card? That was the same feeling that I was experiencing as I saw this visceral text from my wife. Ah, I did not want to walk in the house. I was like a sad puppy walking in. And, and I, didn't even, I didn't even bother. I didn't even say a word. I just went straight to scrubbing. You know, I went straight to scrubbing dishes, and I just let it happen. You know, I was like, and eventually, uh, this is a beautiful part of the story, the redemption part of the story, is that uh, we had so many dis, 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 dishes that week that eventually Jen decided to come and join me uh, to do the dishes. Um, and eventually, we were both angry, but we were both scrubbing really hard. Um, uh, the beautiful thing is that we just looked at each other and we just started to laugh. Um, and we knew that, you know, w w this is a silly thing to fight about. Uh, but, you know, I realized, like, that's what true unity, when, when Jesus describes in John 17, like, that's what it looks like. You know, like, it's okay to have disagreements sometimes. But at the end of the day, we're called to come back together as one unit. 
Uh, and he was not just, when, when Jesus was talking about in John 17, he was not just talking to the disciples, but he was talking to every single believer that we must be one, just as Jesus prayed. Because the enemy, at the end of the day, you know what he's trying to do? I mean, he doesn't care about unity. He's just trying to have a house that's divided. I mean, he does not care. He does not care. All he cares about is their separation, there's disagreements, there's fights, there's arguments. He doesn't care about the redemptive story. But what God wants is for us to stand hand in hand together, and we must be willing to admit our mistakes. Amen? Which leads me now today to my first point, which is reconcile what we lost. Reconcile what was lost. All right, so we, we pulled our scripture today. We're in Genesis 50, verse 15. I'm reading today from the Message Bible. After burying his father... Joseph went, Joseph went back to Egypt. All his brothers who had come with him to bury his father returned with him. After the funeral, Joseph's brothers talked among themselves. What if Joseph is carrying a grudge and decides to pay us back for all the wrong we did to him? Verse 16 and 17. So they sent Joseph a message. Before his death, your father gave us this commandment. Tell Joseph, forgive your brother's sins, all the wrongdoings. They did treat you very badly. Will you do it? Will you forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God? When Joseph received this message, he wept. Then the brothers went in, in person to him, threw themselves on the ground before him and said, we will be your slaves. Joseph replied, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used those, those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people, easy now. You have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. He assured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Heart to heart. Amen. Thank you for that scripture, God. Uh, so there's a few things that I want us to observe from this, this passage that we, that we read. The first thing is that Joseph and his brothers, uh, Joseph's brothers had to admit to their wrongdoing. Right? Like, they messed up. They had to admit to it. What I find interesting about Joseph is that Joseph didn't carry a grudge, but he truly forgave his brothers. The second part of this, Joseph, hum, the brothers humbled themselves even to being slaves to Joseph. They humbled themselves even to the point of saying that we will be slaves uh, under you, Joseph. Joseph understood God's sovereign plan in his life. That's why he said what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. And, and not only did God restore the relationships between his brothers, he reestablished them and he blessed their future generations. Right? God blessed their future generations. This is a story of restoration and reconciliation that had to happen amongst Joseph's family. Could you imagine reading the story of Joseph and it just ends at chapter 41? Could you imagine if the story just ended with Joseph being the ruler of Egypt? We would all read the story and feel like something does not feel right. He didn't get reconciliation with his family. He didn't get to see his dad after many years. That we would all be wondering what happened. But this story had to happen. The, the story of Joseph is not about him being the ruler, but the road to reconciliation with his family. So in regards to Joseph's destiny, 
reconciliation between his brothers, between his dad, all these things eventually led to the destiny that God had for Joseph. Amen? So as a church here today, if you're wondering, what does reconciliation look like when it comes to my destiny? There's parts of your story that, that in order for you to finish, there are some things that God is telling you to go back and to reconcile. There are some things in your past that God's saying that you need to find healing from your past hurt. We need to recognize that reconciliation had to happen in order for the story to be fulfilled. Maybe the relationship today for you, as I'm speaking to many of you guys today, maybe the relationship in your family is too damaged. Maybe you feel like it's too late for that relationship to be rescued. We could have lost a family member, a sibling, a brother or sister, a son or a daughter. We could be in the same room as somebody and still pretend as if they are not there. The interesting thing I found about this story about Joseph is that Joseph was alive. He was technically alive. But in the Jacob household, he was dead. In the Jacob household, he was dead to all of them. We could be living in the same household as somebody and they can seem dead to us. A family member, a friend, someone in our community that hurt us. But right now, church, you have the opportunity to secure your destiny. Right now, it's time to go back and find the healing that you need for yourself. Take, to take responsibilities for our actions. To bring the prodigals back home before it's too late. It could lead to us discovering things that we never want to talk about. It could be things that we find about each other that it could be too deep, it could be too raw, it could be too real. We don't want to face these problems. It requires everyone, all parties to be involved. Everyone has to be involved in making a decision to move forward to bring healing and wholeness. And my heart is that, you know, we have a heart to forgive. And if we feel like I've done everything, I've done everything to forgive people, then let the Holy Spirit intervene in that moment. Let the Holy Spirit take over. And just like what it says in Scripture, what the enemy meant for good, God will turn around. I mean, what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for good. Amen. So if you believe that, can we just give amen and, and say, God, God, we submit these things to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. This leads to my second point today, which, I mean, yeah, my second point today, which is value what you have. Value what you have. We take for granted what God has given us when we have it, but only realize the value of it when it's gone. Here's the interesting thing about the story of Jacob and, and Joseph, right? Jacob did not value his other sons. Jacob did not value his other sons. Look at the reality of it. Jacob showed favoritism to Joseph. When I was reading that story, I was like, I want to be the favorite child. <laughs> Sorry, Chess. You know, I want to be the favorite child of my family. But think about it. Like, the trauma, the generational trauma that was over Jacob's life, right? Abraham chose a favorite, Isaac. Um, uh, Isaac chose a favorite, which was Esau. And then in this story, Jacob chose a favorite, which is Joseph. But we're, what we're missing out in this story is this is a generational trauma that, Joseph, that Jacob didn't even find healing for in himself. So what did that do? That caused division, competition. This, this caused a sense of jealousy and anger 
amongst the rest of his brothers. Jacob didn't even realize what he was doing. Hmm. Right? That starts to get you to think. But then if anything, like, like, Joseph's brothers did not even value Joseph when he was there with him. I believe that scripture says that whenever they reconciled together, I think scripture says that the brothers knelt at his feet and they started to weep. When you humble yourself, that goes that you have appreciation for somebody. But I know for a fact when they were in the field together, they were not thinking that. I know that they were probably thinking, well, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> you know, He thinks he's a big shot, he's a big deal. But I wonder if they were to appreciate him while he was there. I wonder if the story of Joseph could have, been looked, could have looked a little bit more different. We need to be better about valuing each other, honestly, church. We need to be better about being appreciative to our parents and the sacrifices that they made. I'm talking to all the, all the young ones here today. You know, we need to be better about, about honoring them and loving them and, and taking care of them. As siblings, we need to love each other, you know? Like, as siblings, there's always this, like, this sibling rivalry, this, like, tension that happens in, in, in families and stuff. But at the end of the day, over friends, over anything in our community, your siblings are the only ones that are going to be there for you, you know? At the end of the day, they're the only ones that have, they're your true blood. They love you. And just as much, like, as husbands and wives, we need to learn how to cherish and care for them, those that are in our family. I mean, even before you even had kids, it was you and your wife. So just like that, remember how much they, how much you offer to each other, how much you sacrifice for each other, how much God has brought you guys together for a purpose, amen? So hold tight to your relationships and value the blessing that God has given you today. Which uh, leads me today to my last point, um, which is at the end of the day, Jesus needs to be and has to be the foundation of your family. I'm going to repeat that again. That Jesus has to be and he needs to be the foundation of your family. When me and Jen were looking for homes and we, ha- we found our first home, uh, we had a foundation issue. And for those that are like in real estate, those that are uh, homeowners, you guys know this, like fixing the foundation is real, kind of a little expensive. And uh, our agent was like, you need to fix your foundation. Otherwise, you're going to be having a lot of irreversible damage in the future that you can't fix. Uh, And then so like when we heard that, we thought, okay, that's an easy answer for us. We're going to fix it no matter what, you know. And, And what the Lord was reminding me as I was thinking about that story in particular is that some families here today could be experiencing a foundation issue. Whew. There could be some cracks on the wall. There can be some brokenness, some broken glass. There can be some, some blemishes that you don't want the world to see. But what God is saying is today, we need to fix the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. Oof. The problem is our security is found in our statuses, popularity, money, and public image. It doesn't matter if you're an apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, if your home is divided. You know, God was reminding me about this, like, when, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and, and, and we're being taken, taken, go up to heaven with God, like, we don't want to asterisk by our destiny. We don't want to think that I could have done right with somebody when we leave this earth. 
And the Holy Spirit was just, just inspiring me. Like, like, we could be doing all of this stuff to make people think that we have it all together. But at the end of the day, Jesus has to be the foundation of your family. It doesn't matter if you're the best at your workplace. It doesn't matter if you're the best speaker, teacher, if you're a great musician, if you have the best clothes. God only cares about your, your first ministry, which is your family. All right, so you following with me? Um, so in the story of Joseph, uh, this is a part of the story that we kind of look over, uh, is that Judah was sent to be the agent of reconciliation in the story of Joseph. Uh, jo- uh, what did Judah say? He told Jacob, he's like, hey, we're going to go back and get Benjamin. And if anything happens to him, I, I will be, I'll take the sacrifice. I'll, I'll step in his place. He said that I'll make sure nothing happens. And what does Jacob say? I want to read the scripture, but just because of the sake of time. Jacob tells him like, you better bring him back. You better bring him back. Otherwise, it's going to be on you. Right? And and Judah, interestingly enough, was was willing to be that sacrifice. You know, he's like, if if worse comes to worse, I I will be that person. I'll go to prison for my, my little brother. So what I noticed about Judah in this in the story is that he was trying to fulfill the will of his father. He's an advocate and willing sacrifice for his brothers, and ultimately the agent of reconciliation in this story. Doesn't this story remind you of somebody else in the Bible? His name is Jesus. In Matthew 1, there's a reason why Jesus' genealogy is mentioned. Because Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. I mean, think about David, an adulterer, Bathsheba, Rahab, a prostitute, Tamar, Ruth, a widow, Solomon. Sometimes I always thought, man, I had had to get my life together for, for me to be accepted by God. But even Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. And he, Jesus was still the lamb that was sacrificed. Jesus came to the earth. find this so interesting that Jesus came to the earth to fulfill the will of the Father. He said, I will go as a sacrifice. I will go as a sacrifice to save all of humanity. I will take the place of, of brokenness. I will take the place of hurt. And I will be the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the ultimate definition of an agent of reconciliation for all of humanity. He took on the sins of the world and bore it upon himself. Even though Jesus did right with everybody. What does scripture say? He was perfect. Spotless lamb. He still took the wrongdoings of the world and put them on himself. The interesting thing about the story of Joseph is that Jesus did not come out of the line of jo- uh, the lineage of Joseph. He came out of the, the lion of Judah. The lion of Judah. Man, imagine wearing that badge. That I come from the lion of Judah. And if Judah was not able, was not willing to be the agent of reconciliation in his family, again, what would Joseph's destiny look like? There's a reason why God is calling you here today, church. You can be that person for your own family. 
I know it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna take some humiliation. It's gonna take us doing things that we don't like to do. It's gonna take us stripping our pride, our shame. But I think this is what the Holy Spirit is telling each of you today. I mean, think about it, generations down, what would you be remembered as? As a great speaker? A friendly guy? A funny person? I mean, ultimately, I want to be known as someone who listened to the will of the Father, the plans that God had for me. I want to see miracles to start happening in a lot of our families. Some of us have to step out in faith in order to be the agents of reconciliation. See, the goal is for us to be the best husbands to our wives, to be the most loving parents to our kids, to strengthen the next generation. I'm going to say that again. To strengthen the next generation and to give them the tools to succeed. Jesus said in his prayers, he said, forgive my trespass, forgive the trespassers who trespass against us. We, are, we must be willing to forgive. We must be willing to say sorry sometimes. But to leave a legacy that our children will remember to leave a legacy that our children will remember, that one day they'll remember that that was my great-grandfather. <laughs> Woo! That that was my opportunity, that was my amici. She did that. And there's a reason why God is calling many of us here today, that we're gonna do some great things. They're gonna do some great things. So I'm gonna just end here today as the band is gonna get back into worship. We've been speaking a lot about legacy recently. We've been talking about it in our family. We've been talking about it um, in our like uh, community groups, even like messages. We've been talking a lot about legacy. Um, and I remember like, man, the stories that I would hear about like my forefathers, my generations, the sacrifices that they had to make. And I went back immediately to my grandmother who passed away. The first thing that she did as she, she took her final breath, she looked at her Bible, she had a Psalms open. And she had every single one of her grandchildren's names on there. Started to name them one by one. She started to pray over us. Why? Why? Because it's so important, the faith that we pass on to our next generation so important what we give to the next generation yeah you might be successful at your jobs you might have all the money the monetary things do not matter it is a faith that you pass on that ultimately matters and I feel like the Holy Spirit right now is telling many of you that it is your faith that our next generation sees it's a sacrifice that you make that God ultimately honors so we talk a lot about destiny, right? But your destiny starts with some change. So I'm going to go back into a time of just worship. If, if you guys can just stand up, the, the worship team is going to go. And I do believe right now that God is revealing some people in your life. He's showing some people that that, that you need to fix a relationship with. God is revealing to many of us that, that, that we cannot do this on our own, 
but by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, we're able to overcome any challenges that we're experiencing right now. Holy Spirit, come on, come in this place right now. Holy Spirit, humble our hearts, God. Humble our spirits, Holy Spirit. Maybe God is showing you someone from your past. Let the peace that passes all understanding cover you right now. Let God's abundant grace give you the strength to be the Lion of Judah, to have the courage to do things that the world said was impossible. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now in this place. You take control. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.